We found the church we call home four years ago this month. It all started because God had a plan and a postcard. We were invited to Ashland's VBS through the mail. To be honest, I ignored it. So God spoke again later that day through some new neighbors that we went to welcome, who just happened to be wearing a shirt from the same dang church. <laughs> Thankfully, I listened that time around and signed our kids up for VBS. I expected VBS to be like we grew up with, not what we walked into. The whole building was transformed into a magical place to plant gospel seeds. Decorations everywhere. I knew then that a church that put that much effort into VBS would certainly invest in their congregation just as much. I wasn't wrong. Ashland has changed our lives for the better. Now, I read that not to give some cheesy, anonymous church review that came through on Facebook. Tasha and Davis Reeves uh, are family here. And so when I read those words, I was encouraged. I actually didn't really remember that VBS is what brought the Reeves to Ashland. But Tasha wrote this earlier this week, and as I read the words, Ashlyn has changed our lives for the better, I couldn't help but think, yeah, and the Reeves have changed Ashlyn for the better. And I'm so thankful for them. When I think about Davis and Tasha and their family, I think about guns and excellent cooking, food. And I always feel safe and well-fed. Because they use their gifts to serve us well. And I share that testimony not just to say VBS is about reaching kids and family. But this week of ministry always does something special in the life of our church. It's not just about the people out there. Actually, over the years, I've come to believe that VBS is more about the people in here. It binds us together on a mission for the sake of the gospel and our, our, our relationships and our fellowship is formed in ways that I don't know that it could be any other way unless all 500 of us just went on the same mission trip together. We say this around here, aim for mission and you will achieve fellowship. If your goal is mission, you will naturally grow in fellowship. You, you won't just achieve the mission, you will grow together in your bonds together. And, and the opposite is true. If you just aim for fellowship, you will never accomplish much and you will not have fellowship. Family isn't a goal that you try to achieve. Family is accomplished with, with common values and goals and purposes that you are working toward together. And as you work toward those things together, your bond is formed. It is forged. Fellowship is forged through mission. And without fellowship, you can't achieve mission. And we see that all through the book of Acts. Beginning in chapter 2, we begin to see what genuine fellowship looks like. 
Remember in Acts chapter 1, Jesus told his disciples, you will be my witnesses. When, when the Spirit comes and rests upon you, you will tell the world, beginning in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, that I am back from the dead, and I am Lord, and I am King. When the Spirit comes upon you, and we see when the Spirit comes upon Peter, he begins to preach the gospel at Pentecost. And people begin to hear the gospel in their own language. We see this supernatural work of God through, through the preaching of the gospel to the nations. And then we begin to see all peoples declaring Jesus is Lord. This supernatural work of the Spirit. And then throughout the book of Acts, we see how that mission is carried out. But we see that mission is carried out through the church. And here in Acts chapter 2, we have a description of what the church did and who the church was and how they came together each Lord's Day. Notice verse 42, as we first of all see fellowship and the gospel. Notice verse 42, the church bound by the mission, the spirit has come down, the gospel is being preached to all kinds of people, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as the church comes together in Jerusalem, notice what they are doing around the gospel. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They set themselves over on the Lord's Day, Sunday, the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. Easter happened on a Sunday. And so the church begins to gather on the first day of the week and set themselves apart, notice, to the apostles' teaching. Now, this is before the whole Bible was complete. This is before the New Testament was complete. And so the Spirit and the gospel are moving into places who have never heard of Jesus. And in those places, local churches begin to come together. But they have to know how to live. They have to know what to believe. They have to know who they are. And so the apostles begin to teach them. And the apostles begin to write letters to these churches that eventually become the New Testament. But at this time, the, the churches, they have the apostles teaching and they are giving themselves over to what the apostles are instructing. The apostles who are called the foundation of the church. This is their Bible at this time. This is the word of God to them at this time. And they have set themselves apart to it. But notice as the text continues. And... The fellowship. Now, if you grew up around church, you immediately think, well, they had dinner on the grounds, <clears throat> or they had an ice cream social, or they just hung out together. Actually, fellowship means to share together, and here it is used to describe the gathering. They gathered together. They had fellowship. They came together. This is their worship on the Lord's Day. This is the coming together and sharing the gospel together. It's not an event. It's not a program. It's what they did every Lord's Day. They came together and they shared the gospel together by hearing what the apostles had to say, but also notice, in the breaking of bread and prayers. And so they come together they hear what the apostles would instruct them to do. They, they are sharing the gospel together. How are they doing it? Through the ordinances. The Lord's table is mentioned here. 
the remembering of Jesus and taking the bread, which Jesus said, this is my body that will be broken for you. This is my body that will be pierced in your place for your sin. Do this in remembrance of me. They hold the gospel together. They remember the gospel in the ordinances, in baptism. They declare that the kingdom is moving forward. They're declaring their allegiance to Christ. They come together. They're holding the gospel together also in prayer. Now, you could translate that word into praise or singing. They come together, many voices in unison, declaring, worshiping Jesus. Think about all of the psalms. They come together and they begin to sing the psalms in new ways. They said, this is about King Jesus. King David wrote this. We have kings and warriors. We have, we have songs that are, that are talking about celebrating God's goodness. And now they come together in light of the resurrection and they sing together. This is about Jesus. And so they're coming together on the Lord's day and they're holding the gospel together. And so we see here to begin with, fellowship is founded on the public gathering each week. This is where our fellowship is built and it's formed. And you can't have genuine fellowship in the church if you are not gathering. If you're not a part of it, you will not feel connected. No, we have to come together every week and be mobilized by instruction, by the same word. When we hear the preaching of the word of God every week, when we do this together, Something is happening in these moments that cannot happen in your private devotions. It can't. We, we, we are believers who are held together by the same spirit and the same gospel. And we come together and we are mobilized by the same word on mission. We're convicted of sin together. And we look around this room and and it is a togetherness as we hear the word of God and we're convicted and we're looking to Christ together and we are being bound together by the same word week after week after week in our gathering. We come together and we remember through the ordinances, the Lord's table and baptism. We celebrate the gospel and these signs. We have many eyes in this room all looking on one act of baptism all holding bread, all holding the juice and remembering one gospel. And we have to remember week after week, we are many and we are coming together with the same gospel. And we lift our voices in song, some good, some bad. But all across this room, hundreds of voices lifting up the same song. And through the act of worship, we hear, we feel We taste, we see many becoming one in fellowship. And you will not feel connected. You will not have genuine fellowship if you are not a part of the fellowship, the gathering and worship week after week. But notice as the text continues, as this goes on, notice it says, all came upon every soul. And you're thinking, what happened in their worship service? Were people falling out? What kind of craziness was going on? Well, here we see that it was simply the gathering together to begin with that caused people to tremble, that caused people to to freak out. Awe and reverence came upon every soul. And then notice, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
And so as the church gathers together, what the Spirit does is says, this is the move of Jesus that continues in the world. We read through the Gospels and we see over and over Jesus saying in his flesh and his blood, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. And he goes out and he performs miracles. He heals the sick. He casts out demons. He speaks to creation and it obeys his voice. In the end, he dies on a cross and he is raised from the dead. And he declares to us in his flesh, in his person, the kingdom is at hand. But here, that same move of the Spirit continues in the church. As the church gathers together and the apostles begin to do the same thing that Jesus did, we see the kingdom is at hand in their message. As Jew and Gentile is called out and called together in fellowship, there are signs and there are wonders. One of the most important signs throughout the book of Acts is the sign of tongues. And that's not erratic, that's not erratic prayer language. As the gospel moves into new places, People hear the apostles' teaching, and they hear it in their own language. That is the gift of tongues, to be able to understand the gospel. And it happened in the book of Acts as the gospel moves from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. It moves into these new places, and people begin to experience the gospel, even though someone is preaching in a language they've never heard. What's going on there? The Spirit is saying... The kingdom is at hand in the church. The same kingdom that was at hand in Jesus is now at hand in the church. And this is what we see here today. We, we, don't, we haven't broke out in tongues and signs and wonders yet. So what is so awesome about this? What should leave you breathless and in awe and wonder of what's going on here? What's well, the same thing that was happening in the church? Jews and Gentiles started showing up to the same worship service. And they, they didn't like each other. They, they hated each other. Many people that started showing up to the same worship service, couldn't, as we just said, couldn't even speak the same language. And people were, what in the world's going on? And the same thing's happening here right now. Across this room, there are hundreds of thousands of differences, distinctions. As we, as we look at our lives in the world, we're not the same. We're all different. We have different preferences, different preferences in music and career, culture, hobbies, age, ethnicity. And look around this room. God brings us together. He brings us together to say, Jesus is Lord. And as the Spirit does that, the Spirit is saying, look here, the kingdom is at hand. Look at all these people coming together from different backgrounds, different understandings of Christianity, even different politics. And they come in and they say, Jesus is Lord. And the Spirit says, yes, and the kingdom is at hand here today. And so you should stand back and be in awe of this. In the same way, if this place started shaking in the same way, if, there, if, if, if signs and wonders and, and amazing things, we like to think about why is the church not like it was in the book of Acts? It's better. It's better. But you should be in awe and wonder of the fellowship that's happening here today. And one of the ways I want you to do it is I want you right now to think of the person 
in your life who is least like you here today, who you love and you're so thankful for, but they couldn't be more different than you. And I want you to stop and thank the Spirit of God for bringing you together in the same family. Sometimes I have no idea why I get to work with Clay Tabor. <laughs> if, if you pick the one person, on, not just here, on the planet that is more different than me, it's Clay Tabor. Our, and our staff, Eric, is, he's just kind of like me. He's sort of a curmudgeon. And then you got Mary who thinks like me, everything's orderly, everything's in place, she's so organized. And then we got Clay. He's just this ball of haphazard creativity and energy. And I promise, I don't think I could get anything done without him. I don't. And it amazes me. And I'm so thankful God would bring us together. And you need to begin to look around and thank God that he's brought you together with other people in that way. That is the work of the Spirit, and it should leave you in awe and thankfulness. Notice as the text continued, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, the proceeds to all as any had need. And so the people who believed at Pentecost, this number continues to grow. It literally grows by the hundreds and thousands in the beginning of the book of Acts, they come together, and again, we see they were together and had all things in common. Here, the word fellowship is just spelled out. That's what it means to hold something in common. But notice what they hold in common. All things. When they gather with their church family, they say, it's all yours. We're in this together. Whatever I have is yours. And that the gospel is what is... It, it, the gospel leads to that kind of fellowship in the book of Acts. And notice what they were doing. Radical fellowship here. This isn't a program. This is radical fellowship. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, they weren't, this wasn't just going to Facebook Marketplace and finding a, an old couch or something you're not using and throwing it up and, okay, I'll give that money to the church. This was today at church. My friend told me that he lost his job this week for being a Christian. They have no money. Let's go sell our car and make sure that they're taken care of. That's what was going on in Acts. Maybe it was a donkey, not a car, but that's what was going on in Acts. Selling things that they needed so that everyone had, notice it said, had anything they needed. This isn't luxury. This isn't safety. This isn't security. This is that you can live your life as a Christian. Because what we see in the book of Acts is God designed persecution, first of all, to scatter the church out. The church is gathered in Jerusalem, and God says, I got to get you to the ends of the earth. Persecution breaks out. People are being arrested. People are being killed. And now people are losing their jobs. And we see the design of persecution is not just to scatter the church. It's also to draw the church from the world into fellowship with one another. It's not just to throw you to the world. It's to bring you into the arms of one another. 
because you need one another for the sake of the gospel. And this is where fellowship is formed. Christians are losing their job for saying Jesus is Lord, and they need one another. And by the way, those kind of things are already happening in our church. I meet with people who have jobs and work for companies who are calling them to do things that they can't do as Christians. And they are making the decision, do I still work for this company? So we're right there. And my challenge is, we're going to need one another to say Jesus is Lord in the days ahead. You're going to need one another. This isn't something you can do on on your own. And here's the reality. If our mission in the world can be accomplished alone, it's not much of a mission. If the things you are committed to in your life you can do on your own, that ain't much of nothing. What can you do on your own? For me, I can't do much on my own. I have to have other people in my life. And the great commission to make disciples of all nations, it can't be done without one another. We can't accomplish that mission. We talk a lot about planting churches here. You can't do that on your own. A pastor can't do that on his own. A planter can't do that on his own. You need team members. You need people to give. You need people to pray. You need people to go. You need a whole church family from kids to seasoned adults who will give themselves over to the task so that we might accomplish it. And you can't be a part of the Great Commission without the church. You just can't do it. It's impossible. So ask yourself today, what disciple-making mission as a part of my church's mission am I embracing where I have to have other people? What in your life where you say, if I'm going to do this for Jesus, i got to have people praying for me. i got to have people giving. i got to have people counseling me, discipling me, encouraging me. I have to have other people to accomplish this. And when we serve Jesus on mission, when we give ourselves over to Jesus' mission, we are naturally giving ourselves over to one another. As I just said, you can't do it without others. So if you say, I'm going to serve Jesus in the world, and Jesus' mission is to take the gospel to the nations, I can't do that myself. I need the church, so to serve Jesus, i got to give myself over to you guys. And this is where fellowship forms. And I want to challenge you today. The height of your joy and fellowship here will be equated to your sacrifice here. Giving yourself over. Nothing compares to the love soldiers have for one another. They do the most grueling things together. They train together and they prepare to die together. And they die together at times. And nothing compares to that brotherhood. I don't know of anything on the planet that compares to that. And so ask yourself the question, am I willing to give it all for the sake of the gospel, giving myself over to this fellowship, realizing when I commit to this, I realize you got my back, and I got your back, and I trust you, and we're in this together, and as we serve together, we are bound together in the gospel. And I I just want to warn you, you will not Be or feel connected to what goes on here until what goes on here begins to cost you something. When it begins to cost you something, you say, yes, 
This is my family. This is my... We are bound together like soldiers, like brothers on the front line in this mission together. Be all in. Notice as the text continues, verse 46. Notice where their fellowship goes to. The gospel, have the witness of the Spirit. Everybody's all in, giving whatever is in need. And day by day, attending the temple together. Now we see that the routine moves from just the Lord's Day to these folks are together all the time. And they're attending the temple. Some of them went to the temple still for worship. But we also see that there was evangelism that happened at the temple. And so they're going there together. Notice what they're also doing. Breaking bread in their homes. This isn't the ordinance of the Lord's table. This is just having a meal together. They were eating together. People, other people needed to eat. You come over to my house. I got food. Let's eat together. And so the church is together throughout the week, not just on Sunday. And notice what happens. Verse 46. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts. And I want you to notice something. Food, food, glad, generous. <laughs> food was a part of the fellowship. Yes. And then happiness, glad was a part of it. And what did that lead to? More giving. More giving. So they gather together in their homes and they're happy to be together. So what do they do? They have meals together and then they begin to give even more to one another. They have glad and generous hearts. What's interesting about the word heart in the New Testament is it actually refers to your bowels, the deepest part of your being, the innermost part of you. And here, when he says to have a happy heart, when you say, people like to say, my heart is full, what would that mean here? It would also mean my belly is full. Because we're gathering together, and I love you enough to invite you into my home and have a meal together. You can laugh. It's fine. I mean, we've got the craziest setup here. Y'all don't have to be so uptight today. But to have your heart full would mean to have your belly full. Now, why is that important? Because happiness as a family always centers around a meal. That is biblical from the beginning to the end. It, here we would say it's cultural. This culture slowed down. They had meals together. They lasted a long time, hours and hours. But biblical, to share a meal, we think about the sacrifices in Leviticus, it would mean to have fellowship with God. You shared a meal with God by offering a sacrifice. Jesus' life and ministry centered around meals. He instituted the Lord's table as the church's meal. When we read about the kingdom to come, there's always food involved. The, the supper of the lamb in, in the very end. And so there's meals. Why is food so important with glad and generous hearts? It's because they are formed into a family here. Notice the progression. Gospel. They, they share the gospel. They share this mission. They begin to share their stuff. And what's being formed here? A happy family that is displayed and that they eat together. What does that mean? They're always together. So they have to eat together. The tragedy in our culture is we don't do this. 
We live in such a fast-paced culture where we are running to and fro from one thing to the next, and my schedule is so packed, and families at the end of the day rarely sit down and have a meal together. We're so busy. We got this, this, this going on. Well, guess what you're doing? You're failing to practice family. You're failing to practice family. And what happens? Well, you come in the door, he goes here, he goes here, he goes here, he goes here, and we go to bed. We don't know what's going on in one another's lives. We're not talking. We're not enjoying one another as family. Well, if that's going on in your house, how much more is that going on in the life of our church? So often we want a happy meal Christianity that's not very happy. In the same way we live our lives in this way where we're, we don't have time to sit down and enjoy one another, that's the way I want church. I want church to be an hour and 15 minutes, and I come in, and I experience it, and I leave, and I come back the next Sunday. And it has nothing to do with Monday through Saturday. That's Happy Meal Fellowship. It's not biblical. Here the church is together. They're together all the time. They're, running, they're not running around where they're missing out on what's going on in one another's life. They're settled in family together. We always tell our BFGs when they're trying to, I need a successful BFG. I want, I want to form fellowship in my BFG. We always say, just meet. There's no secret sauce. Just get together. Be together. But so often we've cluttered our lives with so much, we're missing out on this genuine form of fellowship in biblical Christianity. You don't know what's going on in the life of other church members because you're never with them. We've got to declutter our lives so that we experience this act of family. Notice verse 47. What does this lead to? They are praising God. Notice they're glad to be together. And that explodes in worship. A vibrancy comes from their fellowship. And notice they're having favor with all people. This means the people around them. Now, the leaders and authorities are trying to kill people in the church, arrest them, convict them, have them killed. But we begin to see communities, towns, places are looking in on the fellowship of the church, and they're like, wow. This is a family of people who should never be together and they love one another and look at all the things they do together. That's amazing. And people who long for community long for that kind of fellowship. Notice, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. What is the end result of our fellowship, genuine fellowship? Is that people get saved. It's not one or the other. Sometimes churches say, we want to be community, we want to be family, we want to gather around the things that we believe and do. Or you have churches that say, we want to reach as many people as possible, let's get after it. And they disconnect those two things. No, if you're on mission together with your family, again, you will achieve mission and you will be bound together around what you believe and what you do. But notice the end result is evangelism. At this point in the book of Acts, there were thousands, probably 10,000 believers 
that were added to the church. And notice it says those who are being saved. It's not just people showing up for worship or praying a prayer, going through some motions. People were actually getting saved. Their hearts were being transformed and they are bound together. And what is at the, the root of it? It is gospel fellowship. Gospel fellowship is the best evangelistic program we could ever have here. It's the best. Forget all the cheesy gimmicks. Forget the worship that feels like you're at a concert. Metallica, Guns N' Roses, forget all that. Like, if we love each other and we love the gospel, we will become family that begins to attract people. That's what people want. They want community. They want relationship. They want family. We live in a time where we, are, we seem to be more connected with all the things that we have, devices and social media, but we live in a time where we are, have never been more disconnected because we're this and we're this, and yet the Word of God brings us together to Jesus. And so the church here is not drawing folks to experience, but a person, Jesus, who's found in a people. And so you said, okay, well, you just made fun of cheesy gimmicks, and you have all this behind you. I mean, what in the world? And from what I understand, that thing shoots out lasers. And so what are you talking about? This, looks, this whole thing today looks like a cheesy gimmick. We talked about putting an offering in the swamp back there. There's a Charlie Daniels song about that, I think, hiding money in a swamp. So what is this all about? Let's get to VBS real quick. VBS this week will be nothing like what the early church in Acts experienced. The persecution and suffering. Now some of you are going to feel that way when you leave here. It was just persecuted by a bunch of five-year-olds. But what will happen this week in the life of this church is the same thing we will experience in similar ways, the same thing around fellowship that is experienced here in our text. This is a strategic opportunity this week, not just to reach a lot of people. We want to do that, but for us as a church to really enjoy and experience biblical fellowship. It's not just to draw a bunch of people in. It's that we would be drawn to one another this week. And so how do we do it? First of all, we remember, remember the gospel the gospel is at the heart of our fellowship. It's not about you. It's not about me. It is about Jesus. You will be called this week from your nightly routines, the things you normally do, to come here and share the gospel. To speak. Don't forget it. This is about the gospel. Heaven and hell is at stake. Families and kids' lives can be transformed by the gospel this week. You get up and you say, after eight hours of work, I don't think I can go to the warehouse again. You say, it's about the gospel. It's about Jesus. Remember the gospel. And our fellowship will be stronger this week. Stand in awe of our witness this week. We are a collective witness to the community. Every year, one of the things that I enjoy the most is standing in the back and watching people who've never come in this place. And they're like, what in the world is going on in here? I mean, this is a dump from the outside. I mean, people were throwing decorations out this week, and they were saying, is it okay if, if this is here? I was like, yeah, what difference does it make? The building is five different colors. And they come in, and they see 
the craziness and the excitement. And they stand back there. Some of them, by the way, have never heard the gospel. And they listen to, to Clay and his, he's got mullets and everything else on. And he's sharing the gospel with kids and they hear the gospel. But they also see you. As your pastor, I, I love watching the way you interact with one another. You are a witness this week by the way that you treat one another in your fellowship. Love, serve, be kind to one another because folks are watching. And be all in in your sacrifice. This, what we do this week is worth doing for this reason. One person can't do it. One group can't do it. Just the group of people around here who like kids can't pull it off. Everybody has to be all in. And it's worth doing to remind us that the mission of the gospel takes sacrifice. And I promise if you're all in this week, you will leave this week with new friends. You will leave this week with people you didn't know coming in. And you will be close to them in ways that you can't be close to other people because it's about the gospel. Be all in this week. And practice family. Yesterday I was on a group text and somebody sent out the menu for the week. And it was pizza and Chick-fil-A and, and, and all kinds of just stuff that's not going to be very filling at all because you're going to be tired and you're going to go back there and you're going to have a bag of chips and you're going to say, i got to go to Waffle House when this thing is over. And so it's not gonna, you're not gonna get, we're not going to get back there and have family meals this week. But you need to practice family this week. You're going to be together every day. Every day. And for some of you, that's going to give you crazy energy. You're going to be, yes, I get to go be with my people again. And other people are going to be like, I think I've got COVID. I don't think I can show up. Right now, let me say this. Let, let me say this right now. It ain't COVID. It's the trees. It's the allergies. Don't fool yourself into thinking it's COVID. Come back. Some of you are going to have energy. Some of you are going to be ready to, to get out. You're going to need a break, but slow down and enjoy. Look around the room and say, I got all these people who love me, and I'm going to love them. And then pray for fruit. I want us to emphasize this this week. We want kids, parents, and families. I want, I want to be very clear when I say this. To hear the gospel and also to believe the gospel and be saved. We want lives transformed. We want that. There's a response room this year. And every time you walk by it, I want you to look in there and pray that it would be full. That kids would be understanding. And we're going to be careful with it. We're going to make sure they understand the gospel very clearly. Sin, cross. We're going to under, we want them to understand it. But families can be transformed this week. Pray that we see gospel fruit. And so to close with, let's do that at this time. I want you to spend about 30 seconds to a minute praying where you are that God would use this week to save folks, that many would be added to their number this week because they come to faith in Christ. And kids, their parents, even some workers that are here, maybe you didn't understand the gospel at the beginning of the week and God saves you. Let's pray that that happens all week long.